You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down with one of the architects of college football's number one program in Scott Sinclair, Director of Strength and Conditioning for the University of Georgia. Scott has served the Bulldogs since 2016 and in 2012 was awarded the highest honor in his field when he was certified as a Master Strength and Conditioning Coach at the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association National Conference. It will not take long for you to hear the passion in Scott's voice and the results on the field have matched it as the Dogs recently captured the SEC title and away to date with Ohio State in the college football playoff. Let's settle in and get to know Coach Scott Sinclair. Coach Sinclair, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. It's always a pleasure when we can sit down with someone uh, in the very important space of strength and conditioning. So thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Yeah, appreciate it. I appreciate you guys asking me on and uh, look forward to chatting a little bit and hanging out for a while. Yeah, this is going to be great. So for our listeners, Scott Sinclair is in his sixth year serving as the Director of Strength and Conditioning at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. But back in May of 2012, he was awarded the highest honor in his field when he was certified as a Master Strength and Conditioning Coach, MSCC, at the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association National Conference. And he's also played a pivotal role in the development of the strength and conditioning program there at Georgia that has them competing at the highest level across their entire athletic program. But we'll stop right there and let uh, Coach Sinclair tell us a little bit more about his journey through athletics. Coach, we call this the back of the baseball card bio. So just kind of a brief bio of, of maybe what would be on the back of your baseball card. What would that look like? Okay. Grew up in a, a small town, Rockingham, North Carolina. Probably only many people don't even know where it is other than it uh, has a racetrack there. And they used to race or you go through it when you go to the beach sometimes. But I always grew up playing sports and uh, I really enjoyed lifting weights. And it was just some kind of a passion of mine. And uh, junior year of college, I went to Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina, played football and baseball there. And during my junior year, I did an internship uh, at Wake Forest University in the strength conditioning field and just fell in love with it. I thought I wanted to coach, but I wasn't sure what kind of coach. And I, I didn't think I wanted to be a sport coach, per se, and, and go on the road recruiting. And that kind of wasn't my thing. And when I did the internship, I'm like, man, this is this is awesome. And Heck, that was back in like 98. So strength conditioning was starting to pick up, but it wasn't what it is today. Uh, but kind of fell in love with it and was very fortunate. A lot of faith in the good Lord looked after me. Um, I was going to GA uh, at a uh, at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And my boss at Wake Forest, uh, through my internship, they had a spot open up. And I was fortunate to get hired on full time, literally graduated college in 99 and started like wow. one month later. So I've been full time since 1999 and uh, in the college strength conditioning field and uh, have loved every minute of it. It's been awesome. That's good stuff. Now, Coach, you've stated that connection was at the forefront when designing the new strength and conditioning space there at Georgia, which we're going to talk about today. But it's not just coach speak, right? It's connections, a core value of your program. Talk about how having core values helps bring focus and direction, whether it's building a new space or just going about the everyday routines. And, and is it possible to accomplish such goals if you don't have core values? You know, I think uh, Coach Smart introduced 
our, our team DNA is, as he calls it, that one of those pieces is our connection piece. And I think it, it not only is connection for our players, but it's connection for your staff. You know, I think my staff right now is really solid. I enjoy working with them every day. And I think we have a good connection there. And I think that makes you as a coach, a better coach, a better manager. Uh, it teaches you how to, to communicate not only with your staff, but with your players. And so that part's important from a staff standpoint, but I also think the connection piece with our players, it, it's a big deal that, you know, and I hate to go to last year's team, but last year's team was really connected. I mean, and, and, and we started talking about that piece about it was guys, how can you, how can you play across from someone and you don't know their name or how can they sit three lockers down from you and you don't know their name. And so, you know, whether we were doing drills with them in the weight room to literally put somebody's face on our board and say, Hey, name him. And if you can name this player, we don't run. If you can't, we run, you know, as simple as that, but uh, that connection piece was huge. And then I think also our space in our weight room now, the size of it gives us an opportunity to continue to build on that connection piece because we can have 50 guys, we can have 130 guys, we can do a team workout in here. And I think it gives you that opportunity because if you have a smaller room or you don't have the opportunity to train that way, that guy that works out at 8.30 in the morning and that guy that works out at 12.30 in the afternoon, they never see each other, you know, in the mm-hmm. summer. And so given that that chance to have them in here and, and, and the space that we have and kind of constantly preaching about the connection, I think it's an important part. And I think it's an important part of our DNA. And I do think as a team and an organization, business, whatever, you got to have those, those DNA traits to, to hold you together. That's cool. Just learning people's names makes a, makes a huge difference. I'm glad you kind of challenged us with that. Coach, on one of the Behind the G episodes, you talked about the role the strength coach has, how that's changed drastically in the last 23 years. said you've been in it full-time since 99 um, I mean, just a lot of change there you talked about. Is there a story you'd want to share to prove how the role is more about the person than the player in today's world? I think there's a lot of people who might say that, especially in the high school space, the, the high school coaching space, but they fall back on the rut of just going to lift, going to practice, going home, and they really don't ever learn their kids and give them that personal connection you were just talking about. Uh, you know, to give a specific story, I think there's so many, but I, I think if I'm just talking broad, I would say when I first started, you know, it was, hey, we come in, we lift, we hang, you know, you go to practice and that's it. And, and you see your guys each week and they're working out and you see them for that hour and a half or two hours and then they're gone. And I think as what we do evolved, you know, we spend a ton of time with the players, probably more than the position coach. And I think having your door open and then talking to them about, we want you to come by and visit, come hang out with us. It has nothing to do with strength conditioning. It can be talking about anything you want to talk about or with the evolution of the daggum cell phone and the ability to send out text at night and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you or, Hey, I just read this and I thought of you or even guys with faith. And, you know, when they're, you're searching for, whether it's a faith or whatever that might be, and you read something and you send it to them. I think that's a big deal that maybe back in the day when I first started, you didn't think of it. Um, having guys over at your house in the summer to, to have dinner and just let, I think for me, it's also important to let our guys see us as men. And if we're trying to help them grow as men and husbands and fathers, 
then they need to see that. They need to see it. They need to experience it. So wearing those hats to teach them about that kind of stuff, being that psychologist, being that guy that goes down in the locker room, when the coaches go up after practice and they're watching film, we don't watch film. That may be the time we go hang out in the locker room and ask them how their day was. How was practice? You know, what's going on in school right now? Just getting to know them on that personal level, I think, helps out. I think it helps build that relationship with them. And I think it lets them know you care about them more as a person than just a player. Man, that, that's gold right there. That's just good stuff. And it just shows that the answer to the question is you got to do more than just lift and get them out of there. So, man, thanks for challenging us with that, uh, just to, to let them see us as men, women, whatever coach uh, we hold on. That That's awesome. That's great. And, I, I, and I'll say, I just add this to it. It does take work, just like with your own children. If you have kids at your house, like, you know, it takes work. It, it You know, I can sit here and say, hey, go down to the locker room and hang out with them. But it just it may be easier for me to come back to my office and and Amen. do a couple of things and leave. It, t- it takes work just like it takes work to be a, a husband or a father. You know, it takes work to develop those relationships with these guys and and really try to dig into them and and ask questions that they may not have been asked before. So you get to know them a little bit better. So it doesn't happen with a snap of a finger. You got to work at it. Amen. I agree. I fight that. I want to go to practice and watch our coaches coach and. I, I just didn't come in here, sit in my office, you know, and you got to fight against that urge. But yep. I tell you, I tell you the best thing I think you said there, in my opinion, is that text of saying, I'm thinking about you. I care about you. I, I think just using that technology to show care and love, it goes, goes beyond anything we can measure for sure. So no doubt. Now, coach, I have to say this, this next question is a personal question and it's kind of pat on the back to you, but I think you can teach us a lot. When we came and visited your space there back in the spring, what blew me away, and I, I mentioned this to you there that day, was the cleanliness of your room. And, and it's a big room, but it was perfect. I mean, it was just so clean. And there may be people listening right now and, you know, who dismiss it. And they say, hey, they're UGA. They have an army of custodians. They have people cleaning up after them and all that. But I'd challenge those folks to come visit. I don't know if they can come visit or not. I don't know if that, how that's allowed, but I'd say – what they're doing down there goes beyond what any crew of people can do. So, so I'd like for you to talk about setting expectations and coaching those relentlessly every day. Obviously, you have to coach lifting and running and strength conditioning and all that. But how often are you reminding and coaching your kids about a basic fundamental foundational piece of being clean and having a clean space? I, I mean, I think. I really think it goes back to like, if I'm the example that sets the tone right there, cause I can talk about it, but if I walk by that piece of trash on the ground and they see me walk by, then why are they going to listen to me when I ask them to pick it up? Mm-hmm. But if I'm walking through the hall or I'm walking in this room and I see a piece of chalk on the ground and I pick it up, I do think being that example, number one is the best way to, to teach them. Just, I think staying on our guys and just, Hey, when we get finished with a workout, we're going to clean it up real quick. You know, we're going to put our weights back and it's not perfect. uh, But if we can have them do the little things, um, I think it I think it matters on the field when you're preaching the little things matter. If you have them put their collars back on the bar, if you have them put their weights back on the rack, those are little things that matter, but they carry over to big things, maybe on the field and and in life. I think the other thing with teaching our own interns and yeah, we have about eight interns right now for our fall semester and they do a good job of cleaning in here, but I'm never going to ask them to do something I haven't done. 
or I'll go out there and grab a rag and clean with them. And I just think trying to teach them that that's a reflection of me and it's a reflection of our strength conditioning staff. When someone comes in and they see, they see our room, if it's a room that's crappy and it looks dirty and it looks like it's not been put back up, then I personally would question that strength coach or question that man, their woman that's, that's running that facility. Do they care about what they do every day? Does it matter to them? Is it important or is it just a job? And I don't look at what I do as just a job. I look at it as it's just part of me. It's who I am. And, you know, I think a lot of that goes back to the way I was raised and my father, you know, I'll never forget. I always tell our guys a story and I've told my staff, but yeah, he was an electrician and I would go, to work with him. And when you strip a wire to, to wire something up, you have to strip the, the plastic coating off the wire to get down to the, the copper. And I would watch him strip that wire, put it in his hand and then put it in his pocket. Cause he wasn't going to leave little things on the ground. He wanted to leave it like he found it. So I try to bring that same mindset in here in our room. And I just think it's important to make it look good. And heck, the other part of it is if, if we have donors that want to come in and, and walk through our room and, and they're willing to give money to help Georgia and they see their dollars looking great and, 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 and sharp and it looks new, then they're probably out to give more. But if they right. come in and it looks like a piece of crap, then heck, if I, you know, I wouldn't want to give back to something like that either. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, that's a great yeah. point. You made that that day. That was, that was a great point. I'm glad you shared both of those. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Now, to stay on the topic of your space there at UGA, I'll echo what Josh said about the appearance of the facility, how clean it was, the overall layout of the equipment, just to the sheer size of it. I think you, with this move, you essentially doubled your footprint that you have to work with, correct? Yeah, easily. I mean, we probably went from, I think our old room was about 11,000. We've got 24,000 right now. And so- Obviously, the really impressive thing uh, that I kind of wanted to talk to you about is I heard a conversation that you had when you guys were looking to build this space. You didn't want what you called a Band-Aid project, right? You didn't want just to kind of just fix this or just fix that. You wanted to get it right. Uh, And in doing so, that meant taking your time. Now, most high schools, obviously, they're not going to have 24,000 square feet, maybe unless they're in Texas. Uh, but what would you tell an AD or head coach to do as they look to either reorganize an existing space or build a new one? What are areas of emphasis that, in your opinion, are essential to getting the most bang for your buck to ensure that you get it right? I think probably strength conditioning, when we're talking about a a weight room, I think you have have to have functionality. I think um, I've seen rooms and they pack so much in it, then you can't use it because you don't Mm -hmm. have space. So I think you have to think about the functionality and, and how many athletes are you training at a time? If you have a, uh, if you're training an entire uh, school and you've got multiple sports, then you got to figure out a way to have, I like to have almost stations set up so I can have flow coming through and mm-hmm. your, 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 your flow of the room. How's that going to work? Uh, I like space. We have turf going down the middle of our room here. That's it's 40 yards long by five yards wide. I think it gives us an opportunity to do everything we can do right here in this room, time management piece. I don't have to go outside and run. I technically can run in this room. I don't have to go downstairs to our indoor and, and, and do dynamic warmups. I can do it right here on our turf. Um, I think that's important. So finding space or, excuse me, finding the, the ability to use the space in a, in a big fun, a functional way and not just – I was actually just in here before I got on with you guys with our baseball strength coach, and he was asking about a piece of machinery. And I said, I like the machine, but you can only do one thing on it. 
And if I'm looking at a room that I don't have a lot of size in and I'm putting a machine or a, a rack's probably not a good uh, example, but a machine and I can only do one thing on it in my mind, it's probably not what I need in that room because you know, you've got people coming through and I'm taking up space and all I can do is one thing on that machine. I want to have it to be functional. So I think functionality is the big deal for me, flow of the room, the types of athletes you're training. Look, if I've got a ton of Olympic sports and let's just say it's, you know, swimmers and divers and golfers, then I may not need a ton of power racks. But mm-hmm. if I'm training football and I need, you know, I know that they're going to be training maybe heavier and, and doing some different movements, maybe I do need racks. So I think knowing what types of machines and and uh, racks and bars and plates and things like that. Look, if you have, if you're not a, if you're not a coach that believes in the Olympic lifts, then why are you getting bumper plates? Right. You, know, maybe you don't need bumper plates. So I ain't trying to figure out what your program is, how you coach, what you believe in, uh, the types of athletes you're coaching, the sports that you're coaching. Having that, I think, is is important to think about as well. Um, and then I think you got to think about the the company that you're going to use like make sure they're like i think it goes back to you know it's okay to spend a little extra money because you're going to get what you pay for right and unfortunately if you don't pay a lot sometimes that rack or bar dumbbell or bumper plate it may not last and i think if you're going to spend the money let's go ahead and spend the money in our case the right way let's don't band-aid it let's don't just put something here and there let's wait until we can do it the right way so we know this room and and the weights and the bars and the racks and all that will be able to stand up and last for an extended period of time. Now, let's talk about your workouts for a minute and specifically the time of them. You speak about an hour and 42 minutes, an hour and 57 minutes. We've heard you talk about we were able to shave 13 minutes off our previous workout, very precise numbers. And that takes a lot of work to plan and execute such a precise workout or an event down to the minute like that. And a common theme of people that we talk to that operate at a high level, and this is something you've already kind of mentioned, is intention uh, and how being very intentional helps them make the most of the 24 hours that they're given each day, right? We're all given the same 24, but 10 out of 10 times, those who operate at a very high level are very intentional about the way that they go about their day. What is the, the value in spending that extra time and focus to be so precise day in and day out, having that don't rush mentality, but we're, we're going to get it right as opposed to just getting it done, if that makes sense. Yep. I think <laughs> for me, two things, my dad always used to say a job worth doing is worth doing right. And so making sure when we come in here, we are intentional about what we do. I think lifting a weight, you have to have intent. You know, if we're trying to have our guys, uh, we're working in a speed strength zone and we want them to move it fast and they're not moving it fast, then we're wasting our time. Right. The other part I think is biggest, you know, with Coach Smart, he is very intentional on at practice and how we lay out practice and how we get the most bang for our bucket practice. And I think, you know, watching him do that and picking up things that he does, he's very organized. And so what I want is our guys when they come in here to be organized. I want it to flow well. We only have a certain amount of time, especially when we get into our 20-hour week, which we're in right now. You know, our time as a strength staff with our players gets cut down because more time is going into practice and film and things like that. So I don't have time to come in and waste and say, Oh, let's do this. Or, Hey, let's don't, well, I think we'll do this today. I've got to be intentional in everything we're doing. I've got, we meet as a staff before our workout starts. We meet as a staff to set our workout together or excuse me, to put our program together. We just finished up actually this week of, of putting out our, 
our in-season program. And when we look at it, we're looking at different things of how is this going to flow? You know, are we going to have guys resting too long or, or is a guy waiting on a piece of equipment uh, and that's going to take time out of the workout. You know, we only have a certain amount of time. So I think planning it, uh, I think for me too, honestly, is going through the workout myself. Like you can plan it, you can think about it, but until you actually do it, whether we take our interns through it or whether we jump in with them and, and do it ourselves, I think it gives you a better idea of how it's going to flow. And so, you know, I guess hopefully that answers kind of what you were saying. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. I think it's evident there that everything you do is precise. Asking your, your, your staff, how's this going to work? I mean, it's not, we're going to do this. It's going to be how the asking those questions gets to that preciseness. And I think that's where the average coach or leader does it ask the right questions. They just say, we're going to do it. And then they don't get the right results because they didn't ask the right questions. And let me, let me just say this. I think, you know, I've been fortunate to have the guys that I have here with me and it makes me a better coach. I think if you are afraid to hire people that are better than you, then you're not ever going to get to reach your potential and you're not going to be as, as, as a good a program as you can be. The, the whole goal is to have a good staff that, that can bring things that maybe you're not good at. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not good at speed training, but I bring a guy on that can help us with it. Or maybe I'm good at you know the uh, the, the the flexibility side, but I have another coach that needs help there. I think if you bring people on your staff that are smarter than you, or at least have different areas that are an expert in, it makes you better. Yeah, we can't hear that enough. And and you said it in a in a little bit different way, but same package. And then it, you can't we can't hear that enough. So that's great. Now, uh, Scott, you talked about, um, and I think every strength coach is probably like this, putting players under heavy stress in the weight room to get them prepared for game activities. I think that's probably the object of the weight room, right? But let's talk about leadership and putting leaders under stress. I don't know if we can do the same thing. Um, you know, I honestly believe that a leader reacts with his or her true personality when they're put under stress and duress and adversity. But how does a leader practice that? You know, for Don and I, we're in a high school athletic director space. We talk about stressful situations like having a tough conversation with a coach or maybe a, a, a an upset, angry parent. I don't know that I want to go out there and have a parent practice screaming at me, right? Like you would putting a kid under a squat rack or a bench, a bench press or whatever. How can leaders practice and, and improve how they react under stress without necessarily having those uh, opportunities to to practice it like you do in the weight room? I think for, if I can answer this the way I kind of want to, I guess for our Absolutely. players, how we're trying to help our players become leaders, I think first they have to look at us and see an example. And if I'm under a stressful situation and I don't know how to handle it, then how can I expect them to learn from that? So I think number one, us as coaches and and who their role models are or, or the leaders of your organization have to learn how to work uh, under pressure and to be patient with it. Look, that's not easy. I think I, I struggled with that early on in, in my career as a young strength coach. I would get flustered and mad and aggravated. And I, I kind of think over time and, and having kids yourself, I think you learn a little bit more patience. I think I've learned how to, to deal and handle and work with young men and women uh, when it gets stressful uh, in a way that maybe as a young strength coach, it was tough. But I think for our leaders here, I think you have to give them an opportunity to learn how to lead. Like, I can't expect them to be a leader if I don't put them in, in, in situations that give them a chance to lead. And look, we do something as simple as 
we may finish up a workout or in the middle of a workout and I'll call a guy out and say, all right, Hey, you've got, we got 15 sit-ups on you. That's all I'm going to tell you. And I don't tell him in front of the team. I may call him over and say, we've got 15 sit-ups on you. And he's got to get everybody down in the middle of workout. The music's blaring. Maybe we just finished our squats and, and people's backs are sore and they're, they're aggravated and he's got to get them down. He's got to get the sit-ups done. He's got to do them right. And if they're not right, I'll let him know we're going to redo it. But if I don't put him in those stressful situations and try to learn how to lead in them, then he can't do it. And if I have never shown him how to do that, like if I tell him, hey, go do this, and I've never shown him how I do it, then I think that's hard. I think that's almost unfair. So giving them an opportunity to watch you lead in stressful situations and then trying to put them in those certain situations so they have an idea how to do it and they can learn to do it I think is for us is a good way. Um, we also have something we do here called we do uh, skull sessions in our summer and our winter phase. And it really is, is a time for us as coaches and our players to sit in and talk about certain, certain um, things of, I'm trying to think one of our uh, ones this past year, just grit. One of them was grit. The, the subject was grit and how grit matters and how you got to learn to grind and how there's no easy way around it. You know, you can't look, I think one of the pictures was um, it was a, a house and it was like, there's no easy, what there's no easy door to get into this house. If you want what you want, you got to go right through the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, something I think we've talked about to our guys before is um, the illusion of choice. And we talked to them about, you know, what, who's your favorite player? Let's just say they, I don't, let's say basketball and they say it's LeBron. And we tell you, well, LeBron, you know, he sleeps 10 hours a day. He take, he drinks two gallons of water. He trains every day. He does yoga. He does this, A, B. He does all these things. And then you ask him, you know, do you have to get up tomorrow and do yoga or do you, you just want to just chill? Uh, I think it, do you have that choice. And they say, yeah, I got that choice. I don't have to or not. You really do. You really don't have a choice. Right. If LeBron is doing A, B, C, D, and E, then you don't have a choice if you want to be LeBron. You have to do A, B, C, D, and E. So I don't know, just just working on those little things. And, and uh, our school sessions, I think, are a big part of our team. And whether we're talking about leadership, we're talking about grit, we're talking about the illusion of choice, we're talking about something Coach talks here a lot about, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So you have to put them in uncomfortable situations so they can grow and learn to be comfortable in them. That's huge. The illusion of choice. You just added a, a big new tool to my toolbox. That's fantastic. Now you mentioned yoga. So on the, the opposite side of heavy stress and intensity, I know that yoga has become a more common practice within the strength and conditioning space. Could you speak to that for a minute? Maybe how you all use it or maybe when you use it throughout a training program. So we, we have a, a yoga instructor. She's great that uh, comes in and helps our guys out whether she makes a video for us or actually she comes in. So in our off-season training program, and I'm talking about our winter phase, we'll do yoga once a week. So we will finish a team run, and we'll try to get uh, 15 to 20 minutes of yoga our entire team. Uh, We also do yoga in season on Thursday. So Thursday night, we call it our big recovery night. It's, It's massage therapy, it's yoga, it's stretching, it's cryotherapy, it's the whole nine yards. Um. I am fortunate in our in our room here. I think you guys have seen it. We've got a massive video board, and it, it, it 
I call it kind of like a video board in the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Maybe not that big, yeah. but it's pretty big for our space. It's sweet, yes. And, yeah. and look, I mean, I don't think, you know, as a high school coach, if you say, well, God, I can't spend money on a yoga instructor. I've done it in here. I pull up YouTube videos. Yes, sir. 15, 20 minutes of yoga or stretching. We put it on our big board and we follow it. We're actually doing that tomorrow with our guys. We're going to lift for 30 minutes and we're going to spend about 10 minutes of uh, stretching and, and recovery and yoga type stuff. So I think it's out there. You just got to be willing to, to maybe you don't have the money to spend on an instructor. Well, you can find anything on the Internet. But, you know, pull it up. See if you can find something that spends 10 minutes stretching out. That's great. Well, Coach, thanks a lot. We do. We are, we are going to get to our two-minute drill, and it's going to be kind of a true two-minute drill. But, hey, you gave us tangible stuff from the weight room. You gave us leadership stuff. And, and more than that, I think you've energized us. I, I don't know who all's listening. I don't know what school they choose to pull for, but they got to be a fan of, of Georgia strength and conditioning just based on what they've heard today. Uh, they, It's obvious that you've gone beyond the weight room and the, the weights there in that weight room to connect with your kids. and. And, and make the kids coming through that program and even your coaches, I think, better just because of your mindset, your work ethic, and your passion. So thanks for sharing that with us today. And we're going to jump right in here to the two-minute drill. All right, Coach, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. We want you to just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. What was the first job you ever had ever in your life? Uh, well, if you want to call it electrician, I had to work for my dad, and that wasn't real fun, but uh, <laughs> I would say uh, – uh, electrician assistant. There you go. Motivated to get where you are today. Hey, I, I'm dangerous enough that I can wire something up, but I don't want to go too too much further than that. Yeah. Don't need to get inspected, right? No, not at all. What what game show would you dominate? Price is Right. Oh, that's a good one. Good, good one. What single lift should high school students be doing more of? I think some form of squatting movement. I think that the Olympic lifts are kind of hard to teach, but I think the, the strength comes from the ground up, so some form of squat, front, back, single leg squat, step up, but some kind of squatting move. All right, you spend all day taking care of other people. When do you take care of yourself? I, I, I believe you got to, you know, I, I truly believe you got to look the part. I can't not lift weights and then expect my players to lift. I can't not run and expect my players to run. So I honestly train five days, let's see, six days out of the week. Uh, I run. Mon- uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and I lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So and from so, a time, yeah, from a time management standpoint, when do you work that in? I, I'm gonna find time. Well, you okay. know, if I, unfortunately that I am in a room today, our players aren't lifting. We're here. We have the, the room open. They'll come in and do some things that they want. But today, like for me today, as soon as we get done with our staff meeting, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna hit 40 minutes of a quick run. Now I got my phone on me because there's probably it's probably gonna beep or somebody's gonna call, but. I just, I'm going to find a way to work it in. Heck, yesterday, like, we worked out with our last group. We had about 10 guys in our last lifting group yesterday. And so me and my staff worked out with them. And we don't always do that, but I said, let's just jump in with them. I think that builds that camaraderie, that bond, that leadership, all those things we've talked about earlier, we jumped in and worked out with them. That's good. All right, real quick, we're going to play a game of over-under, okay? So these are things that, in your opinion, are overrated or underrated, all right? So we'll we'll say the term. You either say over or under. If you want to elaborate, you can. Chicken pot pies. Hate it. Underrated. <laughs> all right, salad bars. I like them. Uh, I guess that's – well, let me take let – me, let me restart that, y'all. I think I said it wrong. Chicken pot pie, I would say overrated. Don't like it. Salad bar, underrated. Like it. Need more of it. 
All right. Grand Canyon, rim to rim to rims. Hey, you, if you want to live once, you got to go do it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Pool floats. I think they're overrated. All right. Good deal. Uh, who is the best professional wrestler from your childhood? Woo! The nature boy, Ric Flair. I'm <laughs> I a think huge he, wrestling fan. Yes, sir. I think y'all had him down there at Georgia a couple of times. You sure have. All right. If there was a draft for your favorite chocolate bar, what would be your first round draft pick? Ooh. I, man, I, I need to ask my wife that. She eats more of that than me. But, I, you know, back in the day, I don't even know if they make whatchamacallit, but I used to eat whatchamacallit. I don't yeah. know if that's, that's still a chocolate bar or not. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Now, it, this is a question we've asked a lot of our guests this season. If we're coming to your house for dinner, okay, so if we get we get in a car, we come to your house for dinner, what is the go-to dish at your house? I'm going two-inch porterhouse from Stripling's. We're going to get them cut two inches, and I'm going to cook you a big, fat steak. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll stop at Stripling's on my way down there tonight. <laughs> All right, do it. Yeah. All right, Coach Sinclair, today you've been hanging with the ADs. This is kind of our trademark question at the end. If you could hang out with anyone, who would that be and why? Mm. Gosh. Well, way to put me on the spot on that one. Um, goodness gracious, guys. I, You know what? I, I, I think because I, I grew up loving him to death, but my, my grandfather passed away somewhat early, I'd love to go back and hang out with him again. You know, and 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 relive some of the things that we did. I think he passed away when I was in e fifth grade, maybe fourth grade, and 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 to be able to go back and hang out with him again, and just you know, I got some good stories that I wish I could go do again with him. That would be probably the guy. Coach, what's his name? Benson Sinclair. All right, that's awesome. Coach, pop all to me. Pop all, <laughs> coach. Thank you so very much for the privilege of your time today. Strength and conditioning is at the core of what we do uh, and helps lay the foundation for success, which you guys have done for a long time at a high level. And so I know that you've helped our listeners today with your words. And so thanks again for the time. Hey, I'll finish this last thing with you. Don't do it because it's a paycheck. Do it because you love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. When you come in here and you do it because you love what you do and you can affect young men or young women's lives, as opposed to saying, I'm getting paid for this. That's the difference. That's what makes that's what makes it all worthwhile. Wow. How about that conversation with UGA's director of strength and conditioning, Mr. Scott Sinclair? I tell you what, when you talk about passion and purpose and making sure you know your passion and purpose, making sure you're in the right place to foster that passion and purpose, you don't have to go any further than Coach Sinclair because you could tell today his passion and purpose is centered on developing young people at the college level. He's dialed in. He's not just doing strength and conditioning. He's developing the mind. He's developing the whole person. And it was incredible to get to talk to him. I know when I got off the call, I was ready to go work out. I was ready to go get better because Coach Sinclair challenged us through just his leadership. It's obvious to see that those folks there at UGA, those young people who work out under Coach Sinclair's leadership, they are inspired, they are motivated, and that they are taught life lessons in that weight room, on the field, and anytime they encounter Coach Sinclair. 
I love what he said about putting people in specific leadership opportunities, giving them a chance to lead. Obviously, you heard Don say the illusion of choice. You really don't have a choice if you want to be great. And Coach Sinclair drove that home today. Wow, man, I tell you what, this was a fantastic conversation. Kind of off the beating track, uh, off the normal path for us. But I can't wait to the next time we get to encounter Coach Scott Sinclair at UGA. Coach Sinclair, thank you for joining us. I know it's a busy summer when we had this conversation with you doing all the off-season workouts. Thank you for taking time to make us better as uh, athletic leaders. Uh, I know that folks on here may not be UGA fans, but we definitely have some new Scott Sinclair fans. I'm sure of it. Now, as we finish up this episode, as we ask always, we love hearing from our listeners. So if you wouldn't mind taking an opportunity, taking a chance here, pause it, uh, go to your platform that you're listening from, maybe give us a rating, give us a review, give us some notes. In my opinion, man, this was a five-star. I know I'm going to give it a five-star in my book. I'm obviously not going to rate our own podcast, but uh, this was fantastic with Scott Sinclair. But we would love your feedback. Maybe connect with us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, either one. We're there, uh, hanging with the AD podcast. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for the feedback you're giving us there with a rating, a review, or a uh, uh, message back through social media. And as we say always, we thank you for spending your time today hanging with the ADs. <laughs>